0: You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 225, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. This edition of Look at My Records features an interview with Zach Ellis of Brooklyn post-punk phenoms Dead Tooth. After an eventful 2022 that saw Dead Tooth release a well-received EP called Pigpile. Pile, take home the top prize at the annual R Wicked Lady Winter Madness Tournament, and make an indelible impression at South by Southwest. Ellis is keeping the momentum going in 2023. Dead Tooth hits the road later this month for their biggest gigs yet in support of Bass Drum of Death and has plans to release more new music in the coming months. But it took a lot of blood, sweat, and tears for Ellis to get to this point. After coming to New York at 19 years old, Ellis cut his teeth as the drummer of notable 2010's Brooklyn indie rockers Hey Baby, before branching out on his own with his first solo project, The Adventures of the Silver Spaceman. It was then that Ellis developed a creative relationship with dive guitarist Andrew Bailey, and the folk-inspired sounds of Silver Spaceman slowly evolved into the fierce, frenetic post-punk of Dead Tooth. During our interview, Ellis and I chatted about all of this and more, including his 2022 experience at South by Southwest and some memorable moments from years past, including a chance encounter with Daniel Johnston, how he's fully embraced the performance aspects of being a frontman, and much more. Ellis also picked some excellent records, including great cuts from Neil Young, ESG, Liz Fair and more. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com Yeah, Zach from Dead Tooth. Hey! How are you?
1: I'm I'm swell. How are you, Tom? Good. How's your 2023 been so far? It's been good. Yeah, I can't complain. Um, it's been a lot less exciting than 2022. We were really busy in 2022, and now we're kind of, we're gearing up for a tour. And we we haven't even played, we've only played one show this year, and we were playing a shitload last year, so it's kind of nice. Yeah, Dead
0: Dead Tooth had had one of the like all time great years for a Brooklyn band in 2022. Lots of exciting things (laughs) happened for the band. Uh, This time last year, you won the Our Wicked Lady Winter Madness tournament, which was huge. Comes with a big cash prize. Lots of exposure I know you had a really good run at South by Southwest last year as well, and it led to a lot of great things for Dead Tooth.
1: Reflecting on 2022, what would you say was the best moment for you? Oh, that's a good question. There were so many good ones. I would say either winning that tournament, um, that was just such a fun time, the whole experience, night after night. Just the tension, and then and the camaraderie between the bands. It was just really fun, Um, and then the probably like winning that, like and realizing we had like five Gs in the bank and all the studio time, like just solved a lot of problems, you know. And um, and also that was a large reason we went to South by Southwest. We were like, oh, we can kind of afford to do this now. Like whereas before, we were like we had some showcases in the works, but we were like it's a it's an expensive trip to get down there you know is it worth it and then and then kind of right after that then the spin the spin magazine showcase came about and we were like yeah we're we're definitely going so and then that's probably the other moment was being on that spin magazine Stubbs main stage at in austin that was just like by far the biggest audience we've ever played to and sounded incredible just, it was just like wow this could be a big thing yeah that's
0: so cool what was the response like at that showcase it was
1: really cool a lot of people were going were really into it. they actually have some videos they sent us where they were like filming the audience and people were super into it um yeah i mean it's like you know it's south by southwest so it's just like and it's it's a big it's a big space a lot of It's just like it goes back for like a while. So there's all sorts of different reactions going on. People in the front were going crazy. People in the back were probably eating hot dogs or whatever. But everybody was having a good time, it seemed like. And the video sounded really cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Was that your first time going to that festival? Or had had you been there in the past and performed? No, I've
1: been there uh, twice before. Never official. Always like just being like, fuck it, let's go to South by Southwest. And see what happens. And that was in, I was playing in um, a band called Hey Baby back then. And we, yeah, I was like, I was like, um, I was the original drummer in that band. And we kind of were just like, we were friends. Do you know Shark Muffin? Of course, yes. Yeah, Shark Muffin, Hey Baby, and this band, Hippie. We all like, oh no, and was it Hippie or Lunchbox? I can't remember. I can't remember if Lunchbox was playing too, or if they, it was like a bunch. Of, we were all just friends, and we all was just like, fuck it, let's rent a, a sprinter van and like go for it. And, um, it's funny
0: because when I think of 2010s Brooklyn, Hey Baby, Shark Muffin, and Hippie Nick from Holy Tunics oh, was yeah. in that band, right? Yep. Yeah, that was, yeah, Nick's that's band. totally, totally a, um, I think when the book is written on mid-2010s, yeah. early to mid-2010s Brooklyn, those are, uh, and Lost Boy, I, we could oh, throw yeah. in there as love well. love Davy Jones. Uh, Davy Jones, I feel like that's, those are kind of the bands that I think of. So that that's really funny. Yeah, it was,
1: it was a hell of a time. Davy was down there, too. He didn't come in our van, but I, we definitely hung out in Austin. And then I think we went to New Orleans after, because we were like, fuck it, let's go to New Orleans. I can't remember if that was that trip or not, but um, I remember seeing Davey at, there's this, there's this, um, there's a a bar in New Orleans, I think it's called the Continental. It's like, it has a pool in the back and you could chill in the pool and just like drink in the pool and stuff. So I remember seeing him be like, Davey Jones is here. And uh, and he also played (laughs) with, uh, he played guitar for Daniel Johnston I think at that South by Southwest in like a photo store. I have it like on an old video from one of my old phones. I don't know if it was like a oh, wow. phone back that, then.
0: That must've been an incredible moment. Do you? What do you remember yeah, was, about that? Do you remember anything about that?
1: Yeah, I, I I remember that very vividly. I actually cried. I was like, I was a huge Daniel Johnston fan. And to see my friend like playing guitar For him was just when they did i think they only did like two songs they did walking the cow and i can't remember what else but um you know daniel was like standing there he was like kind of like shaking and nervous and um davy was just davy's just like such a warm personality he just started playing the song and it it was just really pretty it was like it's probably like i mean it was packed but it was a small it was like a little gallery space so it's real small and uh, luckily I'm tall, so I could always kind of see the show, but I'd imagine a lot of people couldn't. But to you. Through. Yeah. It's nice, but it's also, you know, I'm also that guy that's standing in front of you and is, a, is an asshole. So
0: No, never. Never an asshole, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, but just the act of standing in front of somebody else makes me feel like an asshole. I know I'm not being yeah, one. I feel but I got you. I know what you're saying. And so we're
0: we're in the past a little bit and I do want to talk about your past in music, particularly in New York City. I thought it was interesting you came to New York, you were only 19. I feel like that's a little younger than when most people come to New York. And so I was curious about what are some what were some of your early music experiences here that stand out, especially as you know, someone who was still a teenager trying to get involved in the, the music scene. What do you
1: remember and what was that like for you? Um, that was that was a very, like, formative time for sure. I definitely, I was in a band upstate, um, which is where I'm from. I grew up like an hour and a half outside of the city, this town called Warwick, New York. And we were in a band and we, like, wanted to move to New York after high school but our drummer was going to college in Albany, so um, we decided to just go as, like, a two-piece, me and the other member, and we were like, fuck it, we'll just, like, we'll just become a good, t-, like, a." he moved to the drums, cause he was a great drummer, and we just started playing a bunch of shows as this band, a two-piece band called Steer, and, um, yeah, I, I, some, like, real, some wild stories, man, We we were, like we were just going out as much as possible you know we were 19 we, we both got jobs at a um yeah we both got jobs at a brasserie in in soho called the blue ribbon it was like a it's like a kind of a late night spot that's open till like 4 a.m every day so we were like we were living this like nightlife and we were just kind of we we're kind of going out a shitload and just going to all the shows and playing as many shows as we possibly could we played like party expo i don't know if you remember that place party expo we probably played party expo like probably like 50 times or some shit but um yeah it was just wild man going to like um i remember a very like a pretty a pretty crazy experience going to the original silent barn which is now trans picos yeah um when it was still a house and there were like kids living in it and i went to the show a friend like brought me i didn't i didn't know it, was, it even existed and he brought me to this show and it was like, you know, it was it was like exactly like Transpico's now, there's no markings or anything, but it was not like a legitimate venue yet and um, walked into that show and this band Fiasco was playing, you know Fiasco? Yeah. And they were just, they were like ripping. I was like, who is this band? They're fucking incredible. And the bass player like took off his bass at one point and just started like passing it around and I, I was like hitting his bass and we were just like in the pit going so hard. And I remember I remember my buddy like grabbing me and be like, dude, dude, is that Steve Buscemi over there? And I was like, <laughs> I like looked over and I was like, dude, that's definitely Steve Buscemi. Like, I don't know why he's at this house show in a basement. Because it was in the basement at the time, too, because they used to do shows in the basement. And then, uh, yeah, later found out that I guess Steve Buscemi, one of his kids was in Fiasco and he would go to all their shows. And oh, shit. wow. And I was, yeah, and I was like, wow, How about this, that? this city's wild. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's, that's really cool. I can imagine coming at a young age where you still have that energy and, you know, willingness to, to go out, do it all and see it all. Must have been a lot of fun.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And we were like. We weren't like making a ton of money at that restaurant, but for like a nineteen-year-old in New York City, with we were living in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. We were paying about like four to five hundred bucks each a month for rent. We we're sharing a like a tiny ass apartment in in Bay Ridge. Me and my best friend, and we were we we're just like spending as much. We were we were like not trying to, and, the, and then eventually we were like, let's try to save some of this money we're making and buy a van, so we can actually like play shows out of town and stuff. And and we did. We bought like a We bought a Ford Econoline van for like a thousand bucks and then just started playing any show we could. We did our first tour with, uh, you know, at Veda, they go by uh, Weeping Icon. Yeah, we went on the first tour with them and it was sick. We just kind of like played a bunch of house shows and stuff.
0: At some point, you you started a, a solo project, The Adventures of Silver Spaceman, which then, I guess, transformed into Dead Tooth. So tell me a little bit about the origins of that project, why you wanted to, you know, kind of branch out on your own and do uh, y- your own thing. And then ultimately how and why that evolved into dead tooth at some
1: point. Okay. Um, so that whole thing kind of started cause I was, I was playing in Hey Baby and I was playing in steer that other band I was telling you about. And, um, you know those were both those are both very collaborative projects they were they were, they were like bands where we'd get together and we'd we'd jam on a certain chord progression for a while and then one of us would start saying something you know it was like a very like okay when this band gets together that's kind of when we make stuff every now and then it, with both both bands did have respective songs that the one member would be like i wrote this song and it's pretty much done and then we'd like you know we kind of rip it apart as a band and rearrange or whatever um but i kind of want like that the spaceman project kind of started as a somewhat of a challenge to myself to be like can i make an album where i where i write everything and i record everything at home and i also wasn't like at the time i started it i wasn't really a singer yet and i've always i'd always like wanted to sing but i had never really i never really done it i was always a guitar player i was always like in like first thing I ever did was play guitar and then playing drums in Hey Baby was like kind of an experiment as well. Like we all knew each other. We were all like songwriters and we were like, somebody needs to play the drums. And I was like, I'm kind of good at drums. I could, I could get through some songs if we write some simple songs, you know? Um, but so yeah, that was kind of like a, it was kind of like an experiment to be like, could I, could I write and record an album? And I did, it wasn't very good, but I did. I, um, and then kind of from there, I don't know, just, just being in, in those specific bands, like, 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 uh, Steer kind of fell apart because of certain frictions in our friendship and relationship. We, we had spent so much time together and, um, some drinking he, the other guy had like a little bit of a drinking problem at the time and we we just kind of like fizzled out and yeah. Hey baby we had some like, you know, mixed mixed visions of what we wanted the project to be. And I just wanted something that was completely my own as like a as like not even I wasn't even really trying to like play it out that much or anything. Like it kinda eventually I was like, oh cool. Maybe I'll like take this and do some gigs. But it's kinda started out as a recording project to to see if I could make an album because I've always been I'd always been like producing stuff like even in our high school band I had like I had like N track studio on my computer or something and I, I would Yeah. I think I had to use like uh one of those computer mics for a little while and um, just was always like trying to produce stuff as the best I could with what I had and it was kind of like an experiment to see if I could do that and then and then I liked some of the songs and uh and you know, I have I had so many friends that played instruments and it was just like I was like, I want to do another one of these, but I'm not, like, that good at the drums. Maybe I'll have a real drummer play on on the next album, you know, and I, so I started making another album and um, had, like, the drummer from Steer play the drums on it on some songs. Some songs didn't have drums or whatever. It was kind of just this, like, evolving folk project, and then eventually it was like, oh, I want to make a record and have like a ton of people on it. Like my friend's playing the banjo on this song. My friend's going to play the viola on this song, you know, like had all this. And it was kind of like a folkier thing. And, yeah. Yeah. And then eventually that, I like that, that slowly, but surely became like a, like kind of a four piece band eventually, you know, it's just a, like the logistics of, of having like a big folk band in Brooklyn, New York is just like a real pain in the ass it's just like oh yeah. who's who's gonna do sound tonight at much more is with our like eight piece <laughs> fucking <laughs> it was like four acoustic instruments on stage it just sounds like you know trash so like i was like i need to like you know this is a great recording project but i need to turn this into something that can like you know like two guitars bass drums let's try that out for a little while and that's kind of what it turned into and in, um yeah, and then it, it was always evolving. I feel like the longer you do stuff in the city and, and, like, especially, I mean, like, this all, all this, like, this, like, stuff that's happened with Dead Tooth in the last, like, year or two, like, that's, like, pretty miraculous. Like, the, the amount of, like, ten, like being in bands for so long like I feel like what's happened for us is like never you know that never happened with with any of my other projects or anything like we're just getting this like kind of we, we had like momentum with hey baby and that was like going somewhere cool yeah. but I at the time I couldn't really hang I was just like I don't know this is like too much for me I couldn't really hang in the scene I had to like leave and I did like some soul searching for a while and um but yeah the, the Adventures of Solar Space Band kind of turned into this different thing where it was, tar- it was turning into a band and it was it was getting a little darker. It wasn't like folky, like fun at home bedroom stuff anymore. It was like um, my buddy yeah. Dave Sussman was playing guitar, and he was really good. And he kind of added this this cool, just a different sound. And um, and then he had to leave for a personal reason. He had to go back home. And then and that's when I met Andrew Bailey um, from Dive. He he was like a juicer at. I was delivering food at a diner called champs. Um, I don't know if you've been to champs. It's like a vegan diner. I think it recently closed. Um,
0: yeah, sadly.
1: Yeah. Really good food. Yeah. um, RIP. But, um, yeah, I was working there and this dude, Andrew was, was working there. He was like working the juice machine. He would make all the juices for champs, which, and smoothies and stuff. Um, which champs, it was just like a scene back then. Like everybody in that kitchen was like in a band or something. And, um, I was just the delivery guy. I would like come in and out and just say what's like, was friends with a bunch of people there. And, um, we just got, we got to be friends and I didn't know he was in, um, dive. And then like, we just got, we were like talking about music and stuff. And I invited him to a show that we were playing, um, at Ripper's in uh in rock Rockaway. Rockaway, yes yeah and he came and there was like there was literally like nobody there it was like kind of when they were first starting to do shows there and it was like it was like a couple people eating like burgers and stuff and then um him and his, <laughs> him and his girlfriend at the time came and uh and he was like, dude, I really love the way you play the guitar. Like, it kind of reminds me of how I play the guitar. And I was like, cool, that's sick. We should, like, jam sometime. And then we kind of started jamming and, and, like, hanging a lot more. And um, he's, like, a really humble guy. Like, he never, he never like, brought up dive or anything. And then, like, I guess they had, like, a show coming up. And he was like, yo, you should come see my band. And I was like, cool, yeah, I'm down. And then he was like, yeah, I'll put you on the list. And I was like, cool. And then I, like, went. And it was, like, sold-out show at, like, music hall and i was like oh you're in like a a real band that's like doing this for you know like a living like and uh yeah they were they were sick i had never seen them and then i became like a pretty big fan and he he kept playing with us he he was like he joined the adventures of the silver spaceman he like really loved it he got to kind of like flex his like rock and roll guitar stylings that he liked cuz dive is a little more like you know it's a little more like uh, shoegazy and more about like texture yeah, building a, but yeah, he got to like sounding. Yeah. yeah yeah um but yeah eventually so that was like the ba- my my like one of my best friends from growing up dylan who was in my high school band the guy that moved to albany to go to college when me and the other guy moved here he um he eventually after going to school in albany moved to the city and he's like one of the best drummers i i know and he he joined up playing drums And then my friend Jason, um, who I had met, like, at New Year's Eve party, we had, like, this all-night jam thing. We ended up, like, I ended I I don't think he was on Mushrooms, but I was on Mushrooms, and me and this dude, Jason, just, like, jammed for, like, four hours. And then we were like, we got to play music together sometime. So he he eventually joined the band, and and then that was kind of the band for a while. It was, like, me, Andrew, uh, Dylan, and Jason – and it was kind of just, it had really kind of grown from its like original folk sound yeah. and it was just, it was something darker. Like the the whole Adventures of the Silver Spaceman thing was definitely like a, like for me as a songwriter, when I first started like writing my own music, I was like, I kind of need some kind of alter ego or something to do this through. Cause it's like, it's scary, you know, to write it, to write an album or something and I was like, maybe I'm a Silver Spaceman and then but I felt like I had kinda outgrown it. I was like, I just want this it's just it's just me and I know I have a dead tooth and I was like this feels a little more like genuine to just who I am. Um and I didn't feel like I needed to like have this character alter ego anymore and then so we changed the, the band name and we put out an E P that we recorded in my friend Dan's Twenty eighteen right Albany. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the still beat CP.
0: Tell me a little bit about the stylistic evolution of the project as far as sound wise, because what it started out as in uh, Silver Spaceman, you know, a folk band, you were kind of describing people, part of your live repertoire you know, playing, you know, folk instruments, stuff that you wouldn't hear in kind of a high energy post-punk band that, you know, Dead Tooth is now. What do you yeah. attribute to that kind of change in sound? What what were you drawing influence from and kind of what attracted you to kind of moving in this direction with the songs that you were
1: writing? That's a good question. I I would say, well, when it started, I really, like, like I was saying, how it started was this like kind of experiment. And, um, and you know, you live in New York. It's like, unless you're going to like pay a bunch of money and go to a studio, like you're going to usually record in your apartment. So I was like recording with like an acoustic guitar at my computer, you know? And I was like, this is what I can do. I can't really, I don't have like an interface or nice enough mics even to like, record an electric guitar well at the time, or I would add, like, electric guitar and stuff, but it was, like, and I, I just love, like, I love acoustic music. I, I'm, like, a, like, I love, I love, like, it's, it's, it's as simple as, like, I love acoustic folk music, like Big Thief and, you know, like, all of, like, Neil Young's acoustic stuff. Like, I'm just a huge fan, but then I also love, like, bands like Fugazi and Jesus Lizard and At The Drive-In, you know, like, stuff like that. I was, like, when I was growing up, like, our high school band, I was, like, super into that, like, kind of out of, like, coming out of, like, the Thursday, like, Jersey kind of emo scene was, like, not too far from where I grew up, and then got into a bunch of post-punk stuff, and I guess both things were a fantasy of mine to have, like, having an acoustic folk thing, and then eventually, kind of also just out of necessity, like, like we were saying before, like, playing a show with an acoustic folk band in these venues that we're playing, like just sound it could sound bad you know so and and my ability to like i don't know when you kind of first getting to songwriting um for me anyway in my evolution of it like i'm not like a trained musician and i was like you know i would like record stuff and like if something sounded weird or out of tune or something i would just like Layer some more shit on it, you know, <laughs> like like throw another vocal track on it if the one you did sounds bad, and then just have like four of them sounding bad. It sounds a little like more intentional or something. But then the better I got at like singing and doing my thing, I was like, oh, I just wanted to be like one vocal track. There's like one guitar going on at a time, maybe like another riff or something, you know, and and kind of, yeah. And I also like like I've always wanted to be in a band that was like. That was the the vibe, like the kind of like post punky, got the driving, kind of thing. Totally, and then, yeah. Kind kind of just evolved there, and the and the members that like that was a thing. Like Sam, our bass player, Sam, on the original Spaceman stuff. He before Jason joined Sam from Hey Baby he was also playing bass for the Spaceman stuff, and his bass lines were just. I don't know if you're a fan of Hey Baby's music, but um yeah definitely his he's just a genius musician like his he just comes up with the coolest weirdest shit and i would you know i'd come with a song that was like you know you could play it on an acoustic guitar and it would sound like fine and then he'd add this kind of like dissonant like putting tension on the chords in just such a cool way and and like and, like, playing off of the rhythm rather than just, like, playing, like, exactly to the rhythm. He would, like, do some weird, like, contradictory shit to the song that would just give it such a different kind of style and depth. And then, and that kind of, like, yeah, that kind of shaped the, the sound a bit, you know? And, uh, and the, like, Dave on guitar and then Andrew, two very similar guita- sounding guitar players. They both had very cool, unique style on guitar that, like, tended to lean to the darker side of things and uh yeah so i'd say all that kind of influenced the sound and the change
0: something else that i feel like was something that evolved for this project over time was y- you definitely really place uh, importance on the performance aspect the live performance aspect I know at some point you stopped playing guitar live so that you could focus on singing. Uh, What what was your thought process behind that decision? And and when did you start to really get into, you know, like, I really want to make the performance, the live performance of this band be really, you know, art in its own way, you know, kind of something that builds off of what the music already is.
1: Right, right, yeah. Um, Yeah, I think, like, I think, I think when I was recording, I was, like, you know, because when you record, a lot of times you'll track the vocals and the guitar separately, and I think I, like, I think for a while I had been, like, recording and playing guitar and, like, trying to do it so, like, oh, I could do this all live and it'll sound, you know, like it does on the record or whatever, you know? And then I think one time in the studio, I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to just like act as if I don't have a guitar and I'm just going to really just go for the vocals and really go for like, almost like put on a character or something that's like a little bit like just, just letting loose a lot more, you know, like not cause, cause it is like, for me, it was just like when I could put down the guitar, it was like, oh, you can really like, you can really own the lyrics and the song in a different way. Like having the ability to like hold a microphone, move around, like in a way, like gesture with your body in certain ways. Like I've always been interested in dance, like uh, like I'll watch like butoh. Have you ever seen butoh dancing? Yeah, it's like very just like slow movement stuff, and like and like kind of just very everything's very intentional. And um, I don't know. I was like I, I was like I feel like if I could if I could really own the lyrics with my whole body in a way, I feel like the performance would just elevate that much more. And, and start, I got like pretty into like Nick Cave at the time. I remember it being like, like watching videos of like Nick Cave and the bad seeds and being like, you know, it's just like a whole other level of like, and you're in that room. Yeah. And like, that's going on. It's like hard to ignore. Whereas like, I know when you're when everybody is like playing the guitar and like if the music's hard enough, you all kind of got to be like looking at your instrument, you know, Um, and if you're looking at your instrument and singing and you got to like be a certain distance from the mic stand, there's like, you know, you can't like you can't stretch out as much and, you know, like really bring life to the to the song in some way that I feel like strutting around on stage. You can kind of do, you know, and so I kind of was like, I'm going to try that out. And I, and it worked and everybody was like, yo, that, that was next level. Like, I think you should do that more. (laughs) And I was like, all right. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) I know your
0: relationship, creative relationship and collaborative relationship, uh, with Bailey is something that's really central to this project. I was reading somewhere that I, I guess he moved to LA at some point, but you, you still are able to collaborate. I'm just curious how your creative and collaborative relationship has changed, uh, over the course of time since, since it started.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, he was in the, the, the like inception and, and birth of dead tooth. He was extremely instrumental. He was like a fourth of that, you know, like we, we recorded that EP upstate in my friend's basement and, you know, he came and he like, he, he wrote the lead guitar parts for that EP. Um, And yeah, he was like hugely instrumental in that, but yeah, he, you know, he, he like dive is his thing. That's like a, a, you know, and so he,
0: a full time thing. Yeah. yeah. There's
1: only so much he could do. I think at that time they were on like a hiatus. And, um, and so he was like, he was very, I mean, like Andrew's just like, he's just such a cool guy, dude. He's like, you know, you'd think like, I at least said at the time, I was like, awesome. You know, like somebody being like a, like a rock star like that. Like you don't have to, he doesn't have to be coming up. And we recorded that, uh, that, that EP in my friend's basement in the middle of the winter. And there was no heat. And he was like sitting there and like, all he's all bundled up and like laying down (laughs) these guitar dubs. And I was like, you are just a saint dude. Like you do not need to be doing this in, you know, you make money from music. Like you don't, you know, like you don't, you don't have to be here and you are. And it's like, it was like, a. you know, he loved it. And, um, and yeah, I mean, he's definitely less involved these days just because of the, this year he, he eventually moved to LA, which is kind of what happened where he, he kind of like became less involved because, yeah. you know, just the logistics of that are crazy. I can't be like, Oh, going to fly you in for this show where we're making like 200 bucks <laughs> But, you know, yeah. like <laughs> whenever whenever he was here, whenever he was here, he was he was like down. And um, and so we like made it work. And then and then our so um, we've got a new guitar player now, Taylor Mitchell, who's um, really sick, too. And he it's really funny how he actually kind of got into the band. He was like, we're shooting a music video and we're kind of like always trying to figure out how to like get Andrew to be part of this thing even though he was in LA, you know, like, and, uh, so we were shooting this music video for the song hot summer. And, um, and Andrew was like, uh, he was, he was like, I'll I'll like get my friend. Cause it it was like a lot of the videos on a beach. So he was like, I'll get my friend to like shoot some stuff of me out here on a beach, like playing guitar. And I'll like angle it. So you can't see that I'm like, not on the same beach as you guys. (laughs) And then, um, and then for the long shot <laughs> nice. yeah and for the, like the long shots we were like hmm, maybe we could find somebody that that looks like andrew for like the long shots and my and my friend taylor he was like he's a great musician he has this really cool project called abbey glass which if you haven't checked out you should check it out if yes you're like, if you're like a fan of like um kind of folkier like almost like jason molina songs ohio stuff it's like kind yeah. of in that realm and it's is very good and I knew he played guitar so I knew he would like kind of look the part like and he had the same like kind of hair and he kind of looks like Andrew so I was like dude do you want to be like a doppelganger for Andrew in this video where we're gonna get these long shots of him and he was like hell yeah sure and he like like at the at the video shoot I was like damn he, he like kind of knows how to play the song like he was faking to play the song and I was like he's, he's kind of nailing the song like and then it came up that we had like a show and I was like hmm do you want to like just actually play the guitar (laughs) at this show but at this point you like kind of (laughs) got got in there as like a just a look-alike for andrew and then i was like damn dude you rip and he's like he's a phenomenal guitar player he's like a really good he's killing it um but yeah that's that's kind of yeah andrew and i have had this kind of long standing just friendship and collaboration going on we still send each other stuff all the time just music ideas and stuff and I played. He has a project called Nixon Cato. It's like his his music that he writes aside from Dive. And they've only played like one show in New York, and I played like bass for him in that. Um, we both we both actually played. He was playing guitar in this band called Wives, and um, they needed a touring guitar player for a European tour, and. Um, he couldn't go because of Dive. And so I went in instead. And then I was playing in Wives for a while. And, yeah, we've kind of just always been, like, there for each other in a lot of collaborative and non-collaborative ways. He actually just shot, so we we got a single coming out on the 24th, and he he's always doing cool. He's always, like, messing with, like, weird analog gear and uh, making cool shit with it. Like, he does... He, he, like, took apart a tape machine and, like, learned how to make it go in reverse in some weird way. He does all this stuff that, like, they put it on the dive records. It's, like, this kind of, like, ambient sounding shit. But he also, he somehow acquired, yeah. like, a like a 70s, uh, like, video mixer that you, like, plug videos with, like, RCA cables into this yeah. old machine. And you have, like, a joystick and you like mix the images and there's like, you can like, there's like feedback in it. You could like change the neck. You can make, it just looks really cool. So he was like, I kind of want to like make a video. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, do you want to like make the next dead tooth video with this? And so he like, we like went out and he has like a old, he has like a, like one of those like little mini DV kind of handheld cameras from like the, probably like, probably like 2010 or something yeah. like one of the, or maybe even TVs. earlier than that. And so we shot a bunch of stuff on there, and then we took a bunch of, like live footage and we ran it through all this like crazy '70s video gear. And he uh, we kind of edited after that. But yeah, that's kind of like I feel like a lot of the stuff in on the internet about our uh, like the current state of Dead Tooth is like somewhat dated. Maybe we've been like sending out a new bio, but yeah, he's still part of the part of the family and team but he's just not playing with us like live and stuff and not really like writing as much because he's just oh yeah we we still have like songs that we've like because we've just been cooking up stuff for a while we'll just hang out and like just track stuff and have like ideas and there's still stuff that has like andrew's guitar playing on it that i just love the lines and they'll never change that hasn't even come out yet so Cool. That's all
0: I was going to say. So, yeah, you released a great EP last year, Pig Pile. And everything about the EP, like, really jumped out at me. It's it's excellent EP, oh, cool, lots of great you. songs on it. But particularly Thank the so title much. and the cover art, Pig Pile really stands out. There's art of pigs in a pile on top of each other on the front. You know, just really, really stands out. So I was curious how you came up with that title and how it represents the, the songs on the record.
1: Um, I'd say that title came, I think there was like a article in the times, um, a while ago. And I forget what the article was even about, but at some point it was bringing up like how our kind of like, how our culture and our like social media, based lives have kind of turned into this like almost like card game where you're like where you're like putting a everybody's just like putting the next card on the top it's like it's like when you're scrolling through Instagram or something it's like it's just like about whose image could get to the top of the algorithm or get more likes or whatever you know and I felt like I don't know as somebody who like I'm in my mid-30s and like grew up for a long time without social media or something like there's definitely like a part of me that Sam yeah so you know like this feeling of like oh like the world was different it was like there wasn't this constant like kind of throwing your card on top of the pie and it yeah and and that's kind of like that's kind of where the title came from um and then and also at the time I was reading I was like rereading George Orwell's Animal Farm (laughs) so cheesy but uh you know like the pigs are like the evil animal the super smart that they come, they become corrupted by power and stuff. There's like, and it was like during the Trump era, I was like very like, Oh, this is all like the pigs are running the world and they're on tops of sheep. And people are sheep. This <laughs> is it was, it was kind of funny, but I, I, I think, and then my friend Jordan did that art and I just love that piece. Um, it was loosely based off of like a photo I saw um, of two pigs, like, in a in a um, in like a third world country, and there's just like decrepit cityscape in the background, and then these two pay, like two boars like having sex, and then so um, I asked Jordan if they could make like a piece of it, like a kind of a, uh, a art piece where like that's the that they're like on top of like because there's a lyric in that um, that song Nightmare America that's like. piles of pigs on top of piles of sheep and so i was like could you draw like a bunch of sheep and then like two pigs on top of it them like having sex and they did and it was it was really good and i loved it i was like this is perfect thank you
0: (laughs) perfect segue because i do have a specific question about nightmare america you know i felt like similar to the single you released before the ep i hate the president Definitely a song uh, inspired by current times. So I was curious when writing that song, if there was anything specific in mind that really inspired you or got you thinking, and then as a result, writing that song.
1: Oh yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know. I feel like, like, I don't know, ever since like just being like a punk kid and, and, you know, you grow, you grow up in upstate New York. There's, like, definitely... There was, like... We had, like, a little subculture of kids that were, like, you know, into punk music and anti-authoritarian stuff. And the more you just read and, and learn about, like, what's really going on. Like, like I read, like, People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn, and that was just, like, pretty eye-opening. about like, okay, yeah, the shit you learn about this country in school is, is not true. The, the systemic racism that is, like, sold is just... Oh, people are lazy. It's like it's just all just, it's just all bullshit. And this country yeah. is largely built on that. And um, yeah, and to a degree, it's to a degree, it's a great. You know, people would argue that this is you know we're very lucky to live in this country, and I agree. But it's also like completely flawed and not fair to to the world, to many people within it, um, and also yeah, like. You know, even even the the like like I'm a I'm a white man like I'm in the you know I'm the most privileged that you can get and it's not like a cakewalk to be living in this country you know there's like there's the standard of living as opposed to like somewhere in Europe is just shit you know like you, you, the minimum wage the that you know the expectations of people in this country are just pretty pretty rough and it's kind of sold to you as like this like oh yeah but you got to live that dream you gotta it's up to you to go and and do it you know and but it's like i don't know you go to you go to places like the netherlands or something or belgium and like they like they like pay artists to just make art like it's like I'm, i've met this guy in um yeah. Brussels and he was like uh he, like a certain he, he was like yeah if you play if you just play a certain amount of shows in this city and they're like received well or whatever they they just like pay your rent like because they know it takes a lot of time to do this shit you know (laughs) like it's not easy to make records and play shows that's like so they they're like oh well yeah we we love art and culture so let's kind of like help out with that you know and this so i don't know it's just kind of it's kind of it's an interesting thing though because we also that same guy we got to talk in that night and he was just like also like it's interesting how little like music that comes out of this country I'm interested in because it's almost like too easy or something. It's like the the whole like why the caged bird sings conundrum like it's yeah the harder the conditions maybe the better the art or something. But unfortunately it sucks.
0: That's a good point too. Yeah. Yeah. I love how Pig Pile flows i love the sequencing of the ep there are these real peaks and valleys of energy along the way i i mean i think like the best example of it is the the first two tracks on the record where it kind of opens up really um fiercely with Hellshack, and then blind is kind of kind of settles down a, a little bit in comparison after that big jolt of energy that's cool so i was just wondering how much intention did you bring to the the sequencing of the ep Uh, to kind of make those you know peaks and valleys of energy
1: Dude, so much i i like rearranged it so many times i was chilling with my buddy mark a lot who also was playing in this band for a little while and he was he actually does the he does the um backing harmonies on blind um in the chorus um and i would just like it was like you know i was like i had recorded most of that record like before the pandemic but i was like sitting on the mixes and like getting all this stuff kind of like you know like getting the mixes getting the masters and kind of rearranging everything like kind of during the pandemic and i would just go over there like almost like every few days because there was nothing to do he was like one of my my uh you know how you had your pod in the quarantine he was like me yeah. and him at a pod his like his like entire building like evacuated so we had like his top floor of his building like to ourselves so we were just like hang out and just like listen to the record again and be like i don't know maybe blind should go third <laughs> and then we'd be like no blind should go second like it's it's <laughs> so we really i really that's that's really cool that you you appreciate that because i did like listen to it like over and over again and just be like i don't know like what how this should go i was like I was like obsessing, and then eventually that's what it landed on. And I was like, Hell jack has got to be first. It's just like the just starts off kind of ripping, like you were saying. And then, and then, yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's like do you keep that momentum going, or do you kind of bring it down a little bit? But then I thought, I just yeah. thought Blind was maybe maybe the best song on the EP, like as far as production yeah. and everything. And I was like, I feel like we got to hit him with that next. It's going to come yeah. right after. Yeah. Because, you know, people.
0: Yeah, so much thought goes into this stuff and it is important because you don't want people to miss something that you think is important but then at the same time there are probably a lot of competing priorities or things you want to convey with your art.
1: Right. Yeah. That that record, I remember cuz for the first time ever I had all this time to think about all this stuff because of the quarantine. I was like I was like really putting a lot of thought into it and I was like I got to make videos for certain songs and like, you know, And, like, really being, like, I know, like, I think we put out, like, I think there was, like, three or four singles to that six song, or four, how many songs are even on it? I don't even remember. Five or six? Six. Six, yeah. I think we did, like, half of them were singles, because we were, like, like, let's get every, you know, like, people's just attention spans can be so short now that I was, like, I gotta, like, pull them into the EP by, like, repeatedly releasing singles and live videos and stuff, so and it works. It, people really got interested in the project through the through the strategizing.
0: Wonderful and and well deserved good strategies. Thank you. Thank you. I definitely get fixated on particular moments on a record, on an EP, and then I really want to know how you know that particular moment came to be or what was the thinking behind that. So we were just talking about the front end of the record, so I want to shift to the back end of the record. Uh, the cool transition between Riverboat and Hollow Skin—they kind of like bleed into yeah. each other in a really, really cool way. And was that intentional? And if so, just take us into the uh, recording and thought process of how that came to be, because it's just a really cool uh, transition. They almost feel like you know, in some ways, one one song sort of
1: yeah totally i um yeah i i've always loved that on a record when that when that happens it's like almost seamless like um yeah i think the first record that like like contemporary record that i was listening to that did that and i was like this is so cool because you're just in the world the whole time was like the the mars volta's de lost in the comatorium you know that record
0: yes yes yeah they're just like that do that like each yeah, song just kind record, of flows sure. yeah
1: and yeah and i just thought that was so cool and um and you know i feel like this I, I feel like there's also something to just like a song just like ending and then like another one starting but i, I yeah. very much think like that whole like i try not to take any of that for granted like being like okay this song is gonna follow this like like i even like I'll even like bounce different versions of like different lengths of time before and after each song and be like, okay, how does that, like, is it, was that like too long of a wait, you know, like, do you, or, or was it like too little of a wait? Like, um, cause yeah, the way an album flows, I think is really important. And, and yeah, those two songs, I was like really, I was really torn about which one should close the record actually. Um, I thought, uh, riverboat should close because we we all like that's like usually the closer during the live set um yeah but i think hollow skin is maybe a better song i don't know i i like it more um and it's just very like energizing and i i like i like to go out on like a high note typically kind of depending on the tone of the record if it's like a if it's a sad record then maybe going out on like a sad a sad note is better but um yeah I definitely like I definitely like like they were back to back and I was like you know what I'm gonna like make these go into each other and I I took a synth and I like tracked it um and then I like cut it right at the right spot and had it like seamlessly flow into the next one but yeah thanks for noticing that that's cool, cool.
0: it's a great <laughs> great moment on a uh, it e- EP with a lot of strong moments, for sure. So so after releasing Pig Pile, you released... My pleasure, man. After releasing Pig Pile, you released a single called Sporty Boy in the fall. Mm -hmm. And I know you have new music on the horizon as well. So before we transition into the next part of our interview, where we'll be talking about some records that you picked, tell us a little bit about Sporty Boy and what's on the horizon next as far as released music and what can people can expect from it?
1: Okay, cool. Um, well Sporty Boy, I actually wrote during the quarantine um, and that was gonna go on pig pile. but so I wrote that like I wrote that in my room with just like a synth and a drum machine. Like I tapped out the drums on a drum machine. Um, I have this like Alesis it's like a four pad drum machine that my old drummer Dylan gave me. And um, so I just made this beat on this drum machine and I was like, I want to like, it was kind of during quarantine. I really wanted to make something that was like, that was like going to get give, give me energy. Cause I felt like I was sitting around so much and I was like, I'm going to make a song that I could like dance around in my room to, you know, like something that's really like pumping yeah. and, and feeling sporty, you know, like getting, getting moving, getting the blood flowing. And, and so I like, busted out that beat and then I'm the original baseline was just on a synth. And then I wrote all the guitar parts. I wrote like everything in that song, like kind of in like a day. And then I just put these, like, I was like, I want to write these like kind of quick wordy verses. And then like, um, yeah, it just kind of came together as like a at home thing. And that was gonna, that version of it, like the electronic version was gonna go on the pig pile EP as like this, like kind of, um, you know, like outlier song that wasn't, recorded the same way um but i kind of there was that and this single hot summer that we later released that were both kind of recorded that way that i was like maybe these two songs could fit on this ep and it would just be like a full-length record um but sporty boy once we started playing sporty boy live i was like no this has to be like a full band song like this is it's got too much energy sounds so cool so i kind of just sat on that and was like i'm not gonna put this out until uh you know, use it for like a better, like use it as a more fun single, make like a, a video and have the whole band. So um, after we got back from South by Southwest, we I booked some time at Trout Recordings, which is down in like uh, in near like Clinton Hill. My friend Adam, who plays drums in that band Wives, he works there. And um, so I was like, hey, dude, I just want to like, we were all pumped from South by, so we just got in the studio and just busted that song out. Sporty Boy, and then another song that we're gonna release next, coming to, what's coming coming next, we got an, a single called Electric Earth um, mm-hmm. coming out on the 24th and that's like a that's actually a reworking of an old Spaceman song, cause like, you know I was saying Oh wow, wow, Yeah, wow. Spaceman was kind of taking this different direction which eventually turned into Dead Tooth and like, in that, there was two EPs at the tail end of that band that were um, It's Bare Bones Part 1 and Bare Bones Part 2. And this was a song off Bare Bones Part 2. Bare Bones Part 2, Electric Earth, was the name of the EP. And um, I kind of like, I don't know, when I wrote this song, I feel like lyrically, I was just like a much less experienced songwriter, less experienced vocalist. And I, I just, like when we started playing with Dead Tooth with this new lineup, I was like, guys, maybe we should play this song. Like, it kind of works with this setup and it's pretty cool. And so we started playing it and I kind of rewrote the lyrics to to kind of flow better in a way that, as like a more mature artist, I felt like just worked better and kind of to fit the sound of Dead Tooth more. Uh, it's a little like yellier and, and just more energy. And um, yeah, so that's going to be what comes out next. Um, and we recorded that in that same session. And then we got about... So when we won the Our Wicked Lady Winter Madness tournament, we won a six, or like a, I think an eight-hour studio session at this place called Hive Mind yeah,
0: Studio G. Right? Oh, Hive Mind. Well, yeah.
1: well, well, so we also won a session with Jeff Burner at Studio G, but that was just one song. It's yeah. like Jeff Burner's going to produce one song oh, for okay. us? So we did that too. Um, we did a really cool cover. It's going to be uh, that's going to come out in the summertime, but. We did um, six songs at Hive Mind, which is this really cool studio that this dude Billy Austic runs. He was um, he was a trumpet player for uh, Charles Bradley for a while. Wow. yeah, and he's just like a very sick musician. He opened up a studio and I guess he's friends with all the our wicked lady folks because he that that's like, he signed up to be part of that. and so yeah, we we were like we were kind of like, what could we get out of, it? like, how much songs do you think we get out of this, like, I think, it was a, I think it was a six or eight hour session, like, and, and we were supposed to have, like, a lunch break and stuff, and we, like, we were, like, we had, like, six songs, and I was, like, you think we could do all these, like, I wonder if we could do all these, like, it's free, let's try to do all, you know, like, and, uh, and Billy was so, <laughs> yeah, it was sick, and Billy was so cool, he just, like, rolled with it, like, We like came to a point where we're like, I guess it's lunchtime, huh? And he could like tell, like, we didn't want to take a break because we wanted to to bang out three more songs. And he was like, He's like, I'm not really that hungry. You know, he was like, He's like, whatever, let's just do it. Like, let's just do it. (laughs) And he just like, and we just went for it. And, uh, and yeah, came out sick. Uh, we're getting that mixed right now by, um, Tom Bajor. He like, he mixes, yeah,
0: great, uh, great great producer out of union city new jersey he's a cool guy i know yeah him. you know him
1: yeah he's written a couple books too right like he's like uh
0: yeah the the great book nothing but a good time on uh metal and hair metal and stuff it was, it's a very good book i highly recommend everybody yeah, I've got to checks read it. it out
1: that's sick yeah i'm gonna check it out for sure i still haven't read it but
0: (laughs) it's interesting
1: yeah kind of ajr manager like introduced us and he was like i think you should try out tom for mixing this i think it'll really pop and then like got like one one mix back and i was like dude he's killing it like this sounds so good and uh so that's that's not out that'll i don't know when that's gonna come out we're still figuring it all out but um it's exciting it sounds really good.
0: Yeah, a lot of cool things on the horizon for Dead Tooth for oh, sure. Yeah. All right, so we've been talking about Pig Piles, so let's play a couple of tracks from the EP. We're gonna hear Hell Shack and a song we spoke about, Nightmare America. And you can get this on limited edition cassette via Dead Tooth BK. Bandcamp.com.
1: A terse verse, vulgar purse, snatching with him, him on the back, back or the, the bottom of your edge. I'm not mad, I'm not black, and I'm your bitch. You can't pick up the pieces of my spit. I'm a glitch, I'm a human stitch, And then the worst thing is my stupid, sick brain. It's all tricks, all tricks, all tricks, all tricks. Don't try to fit me way.
0: right, everyone, we just heard two tracks from Dead Tooth's 2022 EP Pig Pile. We heard Hell Shack and Nightmare America. Again, everyone, you can get a copy on limited edition cassette via deadtoothbk.bandcamp.com. Of course, it's also available on all streaming platforms. Now, Zach picked some records we're going to talk about them and play them.
1: Love this. Love this record collection of yours.
0: Yeah, Zach. It's very, uh, in the beginning, when you open the link now, since I've been doing more DJing so many seven and 12 inch singles recently added. So that's kind of like the top when, and then you got to scroll down to get to actual albums and
1: stuff. But, uh, you picked some good stuff in here. It was it was hard. You had a lot of good stuff. I definitely like. I think I perused like all hundred thirty pages of your <laughs> your collection. I have looked at your records. Good Tom. man.
0: Good dude. Yeah. I'm glad. And you selected to to kick things off uh, a twelve inch single, uh, New York City Legends ESG with the song Dance. That is a dance floor favorite, I would say, in my uh, recent DJ sets. People really like that track.
1: Yeah, it's so good. Um, I got to see them um, at Radio City, open for the Yeah, Yeah, Yes. And uh, that was just so cool. And that was just that, that had, that was like kind of the first time I was like introduced to them. And I was like, who is this band? And then I just got, got pretty deep in that single was one of my favorites
0: yeah very unique sounding band uh you know really rhythmic music good music and they're from like the bronx i think
1: yeah i think they're i think they're like i think three of them are sisters and they're from the south bronx or something and uh
0: love a good story like that
1: yeah and i just feel like like as a an influence that band really I was like, oh, don't overthink too much, because you just can like, you can just lay into a rhythm and and go and like, that's like the best song usually, you know. Yeah. You don't need all these crazy chord changes and shit Sometimes just groove, have some fun. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And next you picked For the Turnstiles by Neil Young off of On the Beach. Underrated record by him, in my opinion, that I think gets overlooked sometimes. But it's my personal favorite of all of his LPs.
1: Yeah, same. I think it's between that and uh, Tonight's the Night for me, which, like, have you listened to that one? Yes. I think this one's just, like, a little bit more put together, you know? Like, that one's, like, can get pretty sloppy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which I love about... I just love that he had the gall to put that record out because some of the, just some of the, like, drunken stuff when he's just, like, singing real out of tune. And I'm like, geez, you were sad when you put this record out, and I'm glad you did. Like, you you didn't shy away from being like, maybe I shouldn't put this out. (laughs) But, um, yeah, this (laughs) record... For the turnstiles, I just, I just think his, the like trip he takes you on with his lyrics are so wild, um, just so like it's like you're watching a film unfold or something. You don't even know what it's about, but it's, it's cool. It's always cool with Neil, and I, th- I think I heard that this song was like, um, about a conversation with like a prostitution rights act activist or something that's why he says something about like pimps with tailors charge ten dollars at the door and then somehow he fuses that with baseball i don't know a real poet nice <laughs> only
0: neil yeah. could fuse that with baseball yeah. and i'll and and get people yeah. to fucking love it because i love it
1: right yeah and just the the like uh The banjo and shit on this. I don't know. It's just so cool. Singing songs for pins with tailors who charge $10 at the door. You can really learn a lot that way.
0: It will change. Next. Shireen, a.k.a. Master Splinter by Kendrick Lamar.
1: Oh, yeah. The Master. Love yeah. this this song. It's, uh... Some really... I just feel like some great storytelling that he does. He starts off with that, like, yeah. uh... That, like, prayer quote. That, that, like, the group of his friends or whatever doing that prayer. And then, uh meeting charaine and kind of falling in love with her and then like ends with him probably getting like jumped or whatever and then i like how he refers to us as as master splinter i feel like there's some real like sun tzu art of war shit going on there like you know she kind of fucks him over but he learns from that she's the teacher (laughs) yeah maybe i don't know if i'm reading into it too much but there's a lot to unpack in kendrick lamar's lyrics and i just Love them, love yeah. the new record. Hello, my name is Kendrick. She said, No, you're handsome. Whispered in my
0: ear, disappeared, then found her dancing. Sierra had played in the background. The parade music we made had us all wearing shades now. I'm cool. Where you stay? She said, Down the street from Dominguez High. Okay, I know that's borderline Compton or Paramount. Well, as a Compton, no, she replied to quickly start batting her eyes. I strictly had one of her thighs around me. 17. When next Highway Patrolman by Bruce Springsteen off of Nebraska. A prime yeah, example was... of what a great storyteller he is, and also, you know, how great he was able to just use a four-track tape machine to write some and record some really powerful music.
1: Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to have some Bruce on there, being a Jersey boy and all.
0: Yeah, I did.
1: And uh, this is the this is the record for sure to have in the record collection. I don't know if you're, like, a fan of his whole discography or what, but, um, yeah, the, for me, this one's definitely, i was glad you had this one. It's like, this is the one. I uh, me too. Yeah, I got a lot of um, Jersey fam, too, so we were always listening to Bruce, and for a while, I was, like, pretty, I don't know, I just thought it was, like, cheesy and didn't love all the saxophones yeah. and stuff blasting at me when I was a kid, and then kind of older i got i was like wow there's some real like you said amazing storytelling going on here and yeah my dad my dad like is like a huge he like grew up in north jersey and um you know like saw him when he was like in his like early 20s and just was like he was just singing about my life you know and i was like but yeah this song specifically the whole the whole like uh it's like a movie it's like a like a car chase kind of movie with the brother who's going he who could arrest he's like a cop which yeah. you know all cops are bad except for this one in the, in the um, Highway Patrolman song by Prince <laughs>
0: yes <laughs> I agree that's his brother that go. is accurate yeah.
1: <laughs> I'd him straight away but when it's your brother sometimes you look the other way
0: Hit me and Frankie laughing and drinking. Nothing feels better than blood on blood. Taking turns. Uh, next up transmission by Joy Division.
1: Oh yeah. That's a track right there. I got really I, we did like a maybe like five or six years ago did like a Joy Division cover set for Halloween. And uh, this is definitely my favorite song. It just has so much energy. And he's a freak. You talk about like a, like, a, like a front man who is enigmatic to watch and really makes a stage show. Like watching videos of Ian Curtis is, is pretty inspiring.
0: Did you know there's like no videos of Ian Curtis just talking out there? So I was reading someone who did a biopic. Uh, there, there were multiple Joy Division biopics. I think like five or six years ago, there was like a couple going on. So whoever was yeah. playing Ian Curtis, he was like, I had to just like talk to people that knew him to kind of like figure out how he talked because there really wow. isn't any recorded video of him talking which to me i thought was really crazy it's like damn it's so it's totally lost <laughs> his voice like that's actual crazy, speaking voice yeah
1: yeah and, and now that you mentioned it i've the only thing i've seen is like yeah iterations or interpretations of him talking from actors there's i've never seen a video that's crazy
0: yeah, yeah. It's D A N C E by Justice.
1: D A N C E. That's. Uh, I feel like uh, that was like the, the 2011 like loft party. Bushwick. Yeah. Going to. Uh, I remember going to like the McKibben Lofts back then and just going to these all night parties where you just go to like loft after loft and everyone was just a wild dance party. And you'd hear this song. This old record would just play when it came out. It was just, yeah.
0: <laughs> <just> <laughs> yes.
1: Fire. Just straight fire. The whole thing. And they're like, they're like, uh, I'm pretty sure they did like. Somebody told me they, they were like metal musicians or something before this. This was like their oh, wow. foray into, into dance music, which I feel like when you listen to it, it makes sense. It's got like that. I don't know the builds and the like drops and everything it's almost got like this like ride the lightning kind of vibe or something like
0: And last but not least, Polyester Bride by Liz Fair.
1: Yeah. Gotta love some Liz Fair. I actually didn't really know this song, and then I saw it in there and I I listened to it. But I've been on a Liz Fair kick um, that uh, the Exile and Guyville record. Um, And I had never heard this Polyester Bride track, but it was great. um, By her being in the bar. And the bartender being like, you're lucky to be uh, getting free drinks because you've got those eyes. And uh,
0: <laughs> Yeah, this, this appears on her 1998 album White Chocolate Space Egg. But yeah, now the lyrics are so interesting that you mentioned that because my friend was talking about them recently because I played this at a, a 90s DJ night that I do at this bar endless life brewing uh it's in like the fort green area and i have the seven inch single of this and it says four jukeboxes only <laughs> and i was like well that's like kind of a relic of 30 years ago you know yeah that's amazing 25 years ago so i was i posted it and i was like matador is it okay If I play this outside of the jukebox setting, they got
1: back. They said okay.
0: No, they didn't. But I was assuming it's okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Unless they come after you, I think. They did like the they they liked the story (laughs) when I shared it. So I I I actually think that's a signal of approval from the record company to play it outside of the jukebox setting.
1: I think you're in the clear.
0: Zach of Dead Tooth. So great chatting with you today, everyone. Dead Tooth, they got a lot going on coming up, so you're going to want to pay attention. As uh, we talked about, their EP Pig Pile came out last year, and you can get a copy of it uh, at deadtoothbk.bandcamp.com. They've got limited edition cassettes available, which is awesome. And Dead Tooth is hitting the road, supporting bass drum of death, starting on March 21st
1: in Oxford, Mississippi. Have you ever been to Mississippi before, dude? I've not, but our guitar player is from uh, Mississippi. He's from Jacksonville. And uh, I've never... I've never. I've been to a lot of the country. I haven't been to Mississippi or hung out there anyway. Have you? What 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 am I to expect?
0: Yeah, you're going to be in in the deep south, uh, and then Birmingham uh, <laughs> second tour date. But then you're working your way back up here, and I'm super excited for the show at White Eagle Hall here in Jersey City on April first. And then you'll also be in. Uh, Boston area, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Kansas, and I'm actually really
1: excited to go to Oxford because that's where Taylor grew up, and I'm excited to see his whole. He he was like living in a in a house show venue there um, for a while with with some of the members of bass drum of death. So when we played at South by, we played with them, and they like were like, "Oh, dude, good to see you." I didn't know like knew each other and shit, um, but. Uh, yeah that's gonna be really fun. I am really excited to go to Chicago. I haven't ever played a show in Chicago been in Chicago once um, I think those are gonna be really fun. The two like Riot Fest presents shows should be sick and um, other than that Boston I think I got a lot of family coming to Boston so I'm excited for the family to finally see what I do which because I don't know it's always been like a strange you know like a lot of my family hasn't like seen seen the band or anything so that'll be cool um kind of nervous about it too but i think it'll be fun um that's
0: super exciting really happy for you and all the projects successes and future successes as well thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me zach
1: thank you for having me tom It's a pleasure my friend um Thanks for doing all this all the time and just being an actual uh, legitimate music journalist and putting care into what you do. It's really cool.
0: My pleasure, everyone. Hope to see many of you at the White Eagle Hall show here in Jersey City on April 1st. Uh, Get your tickets now via WhiteEagleHall.com. We're going to end today's episode with the latest single from dead tooth came out this fall it's called sporty boy